Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year, the podcast that is here. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. There he is. There's and Scott. Paul. And Scott Paul. has a fun camera thing going on right yeah, now. Yeah, you got like, we're getting like a great view I, of like a uh, plate on your table there. Very nice. I think I it's like a lamp. Maybe oh, Scott can so? settle this debate. Oh, no. Okay. It's, it's, it's a Trevay made by my daughter. How oh, you? your daughter is a the, the Trevay stress. Right. That's I've forgotten. That's her trade. <laughs> the UK has <laughs> some very interesting laws about yeah. children working, which I, I, I am glad that she's found a trade. Right. There's a there's a great biographical film called Oliver Twist that yep. you, know, you can check out. Yes. Uh, also a book. It's summer and uh, we are re- recording out of I felt like moral obligation this this week. We <laughs> we just hadn't in a while. and We felt like we better, you know, go and, and, and give it a go. Um, not much happened bills wise in the last month and a half yeah. other than um, training camp has started. Uh, I know that um, Roger Saffold didn't start camp because he was in a minor car accident and maybe one other person didn't have something to do. Uh, but this is the level of care that I have for training camp right now, just so you can hear it in my voice. Um, but I, look, it's fun. It's something to do. I, I follow people on Twitter that uh, have been to the practices, and I think that's cool. But I also I don't care, I think. And so I, I guess I want to start with I want to start with Scott and Paul, and I just want your general feelings on the big dealness of this and uh, or not big dealness or or whether I'm being a grouch about it. I'm I'm perfectly content to, that's for someone to say I'm being a, too much of a grouch here. But um, Scott, why don't you you start us um, because uh, <laughs> you know sure. the uh, because because I picked you. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I will say <clears throat> in the scheme of training camps, this is one of the less exciting ones <clears throat> in recent Bills history. I think they've progressively gotten less exciting as the team has gotten better. Um, I feel like training camps, much like the draft, are where teams where you don't know a lot about them or teams that are rebuilding, teams that are young, that's where you're really paying attention to the the camp battles and you know what 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 draft picks making his move up the roster and why isn't that guy getting better and <clears throat> who's getting snaps on what line and on this bill's team i think obviously we, we still have some of those battles existing right like they do exist on you know defensive line but another new defensive line this year um, you know von miller and everybody else and we're going to have to figure out how that that all kind of sorts out um, you know, I think there's obviously been changes on the offensive line with, with, with Saffold and Frank mentioned. It's not that those battles don't exist and aren't in and aren't important for exactly how the team is, but certainly from like a spectator point of view, yeah, it's easy to be less excited because in some ways this team has proven itself. Like this team has proven that it is a at minimum <coughs> AFC championship kind of caliber team and you know, a heavy favorite for the Super Bowl. And not a heavy favorite, a one of the favorites for the Super Bowl this year. And so things that are happening in training camp, as long as the core of the team remains, which is Josh Allen, Steph Diggs, um, the, the coaching staff, um, the defensive secondary, you know, Matt Milano, and then a fairly, a fairly kind of set of utilitarian offensive linemen and a bunch of 
to be perfectly honest, over the last two, three years, overpaid defensive linemen um, who cannot consistently get pressure <clears throat> until that, that identity of this team has not been proven to change. Now, could the team change up front? I think that's definitely possible. And it's something that I think we'll, as we get more reports at a training camp and we get into the preseason, we'll find out more about. But I think right now it's still tough to <clears throat> read into that too much because it is training camp. And that's the part of training camp that's the most kind of kid gloves uh, in terms of, of, you know, real life kind of simulation that the lines are, are going to be kind of going through the motions more than really attacking things the same way that the, the, the seven on sevens might just due to the risk of injury, et cetera. Um, but regardless of, of, it seems like the, the window for those things to change is not tremendous. And given the retention and continuity with everything else, it seems less important perhaps this year than other years. Right. You've got like 90% of the team set and, and not just set, but like good. <laughs> good to it's great not, even in some right, Yes. Right. Like even if Josh Allen had a bad camp, I think that, it would be made note of, but I don't think anyone would be worried necessarily. I don't think he has to show anything in this camp. And that I think is exactly where, where Scott's kind of head is at is like, well, we don't have a lot of things to look for this time around. I, I, I saw that Deion Dawkins said nice things about Von Miller. So that's good. Um, and, uh, but let me, let me, let's get Paul's thoughts before I, I ramble more. Yeah, no, my thoughts are going to be highly unoriginal here. Cause I largely agree with everything Scott said, I don't think there's any exception even in there. I'll be going through the motions just like uh, some of the Bills linemen. So, yeah, it was it's met, met, training camp. Do do I care about training camp right now? No. And, and the simple reason is, as Scott mentioned, this team is good now. We're not thinking, OK, they picked a cornerback in the top five of the draft. We want to see how this guy progresses. They've made all these free agent additions on the offensive line. Let's see how they progress. They're not at that state. They re-signed. Uh, as many good players as they could, which was pretty much most of them. They have pro bowlers or pro bowl level players at many key positions. So yeah. It, it, and when we want to see how the offensive and defensive lines are doing, uh, since those are the two areas of most importance, right? Well, let's, let's not rule out cornerback as well. Obviously you've got a big battle there, especially since Trey white is likely yeah. starting the season or at least a good chance. He'll start the season on the a physically unable to perform list. We'll see how that goes. Yes. The puppy list. Yes, the old puppist. Uh, so, yeah, it's just you have to take everything with a grain of salt. Like I've been reading about how great A.J. Epinesa has been the first few days of camp. OK, remember after game two of last year. When I feel like he that's every against, camp. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he, he played he played against a terrible Miami offensive line in game two of last year. He, all, he, he looked like the second coming of Mario Williams that game. And then he went back to being A.J. Epinesa once he was up against quality competition. So great that A.J. Epinesa has beaten uh, David Quisenberry and the other guy, Matt, whatever his name is, who I can't think of, like it's it's not going to tell us anything about the regular season. So I'll care a little more when the game starts, just to kind of see how the linemen are gelling, to see how the pass on the offense, see how the defensive pass rush is, to see how the depth at cornerbacks looks once you get them against some live opponents. But for now, training camp, you know, I'm pretty meh on it. Take everything you see with a grain of salt. And then once the games start to get going, <laughs> We're not going to learn anything new about Josh Allen, as Frank said. He had two straight great years behind him. We know that he's a great quarterback. So, you know, just study some some of the players here and there, study some of the battles. But for now, just don't don't t- read too much into anything you're you're hearing right now. I think some of what also hasn't changed is the 
positions of strength and need, which I was which was Paul's note on the the agenda here. I think that playing into that is like there's not like suddenly a uh, breath of you know we we know what those positions are and we mm-hmm. so we don't really have any better and we aren't going to have better answers until the games are played. I, and, and and to some extent that's every year. I think we've been saying that for you know ten years now. Um, but certainly it's a lot more fun or a lot more engaging when you you have a you're really hoping somebody uh turns out like you know i i've seen good notes on kair elam um when he was covering stefan diggs i guess he had a good day covering stefan diggs one day and then that you know that became a little bit of like well i hope diggs is okay but we know diggs is okay and we'll look at this great rookie doing a good job and I don't know. Um, I mean, corner is going to be a question. Like, corner is yeah. the question. And it's going to be the question until they, they. well, let me pull up the schedule because I'll tell you when it'll become an a, 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 a when we'll get our first answer is Bill's schedule 2022. Yeah. Yeah. As he pulls that up, I think it's going to be some good pass-heavy teams those first few weeks. Right. It's going to be September 8th against the Rams um, <laughs> when they open up the whole season. Um, did we know that last time we had a, a yeah, a yeah, we, we did. That. Okay. And then if not the Rams, I would say the next time you really got to think about it is the 16th and the 30th of October when you play the chiefs and the Packers back to back. Um, and I, you know, because I think you could be forgiven for week one, not being in great shape necessarily, but the next checkpoint will be those two games. And then obviously the final checkpoint will be at the end of the season going into the postseason and has the corner position settled in nicely or not. Um, so, you know, do any thoughts on that, Paul, we'll, we'll do yeah, a reverse. I, I think here. the cornerback battle is the one to keep in mind. It, it, I think if the rule is if Trey White starts the season on PUP, he misses, is it six, six games or six weeks? It's one of those, but that puts that Chiefs-Packers situation into problem territory. So I think that'll be key because if you start having Kyer Elam and Dane Jackson covering guys full-time or, God forbid, one of them gets hurt, are you into Cam Lewis and Saran Neal territory who are very good special teams players, but that's where I prefer them to stay? You know, then you're th- then that's going to pose some question marks. Then you're playing a, a Tennessee team week week two that can be run heavy with Derrick Henry, but Ryan Tannehill can pick apart bad cornerbacks with a good receiving, a generally good receiving crew. So, you know, that's something to keep in mind. So corners, the big one for me, Scott talked about the defensive line. It's not that I think they'll be bad, but how much better is Von Miller going to make that unit as far as getting sacks? How are we going to see development from, we just need one of Epinesa or Basham to show something or Rousseau even to progress his game from just being a very good, uh, end who stops the run to also being a very good pass rusher. Uh, how's Ed Oliver working? How's the new one technique guy, which I think is going to be, it's going to be settle or the other guy uh, shows you how much I've read about them. And then, yeah, the offensive line's really the other question mark because it becomes, okay, you've got Spencer Brown is hurt right now. Uh, Saffold is hurt, but he should be back practicing next week. Are they going to have time to gel? Are we going to get Spencer Brown to take steps forward after being very good at the beginning of last year and being very bad at the end of last year is going to have a sophomore slump like Deion Dawkins did before he gets better. Or is he just going to have a nice forward progress? That's going to be huge for the line. Cause we saw what the regression of Daryl Williams did to the line last year. So I think those are the things I'd keep in mind is weaknesses or question marks. Uh, you're not going to tell me they have question marks or weaknesses at safety at linebacker at kicker kind of a punting battle going on right now. Uh, good at receiver, good at tight end, good at cornerback, uh, quarterback. 
running back is a, you know, you hope these guys do well. We'll see how it goes, but not a huge factor in the Bills' success in recent years. So, yeah, oh. that's where I am with them. Let me just, uh, as you say, Punter, quickly, of all the things I've heard about Matt Ariza um, or Azaria, what's his name? Ariza? I've never heard it said aloud, but I like Azaria because it reminds me of Hank Azaria, but I think it's probably Ariza. That's probably the first thing you said. Yeah, yeah. Uh, punt God. Uh, I've not heard anything about whether he can hold the ball on a field goal attempt, so... <laughs> That, which right, is the they did question, say he did yesterday or two him. days ago, and it mentioned that um, he did he did. There was one bad snap that he got in place, and Bass made the field goal. And that Bass made all of his field goals with him holding. Okay. It was only like field goals, so that might small be snap. Huh? Let me let me just quickly clarify the new uh, pup rules, which um, I feel like you should get a small dog to help you feel better if you're on the yeah. pup list. But uh, as it turns out. Uh, a player does not count towards the roster limit. Once we shifted there, the teams have until rosters are cut down to 53 players to move a player to the pup. The player, this is what's pertinent. The player has to remain on the pup list for at least the first four regular season games. Oh, okay. Which is new this season. And once a player leaves that list, he has up to 21 days to return to the roster. He can practice with the team until he's taken off the list. If the player is still isn't able to play in the first game, in the games after the 21 day span, he'll stay on the reserve pup list for the rest of the season. So you have four games off. So that would give him an opportunity for game five. So he'd, he'd be eligible possibly to play for against the chiefs and Packers. Cause that would be one, two, three, four. The earliest he could be back is the Steelers game, October nine. Um, but he would have to basically be on the 53 man roster by the time they play the Jets in November, which is weird because it says if the player still isn't able to play after 21 day span, he'll stay on the reserve pup list. So if you thought like he can't play the Jets game, but he could play the next week after you might make room for him on the 53 man roster and then make him inactive. And that would probably allow him to stay on the on the team as opposed to missing the whole year. But um, that is for people other than me. Scott, do you have any thoughts on position battles? Yeah, no, I, I think Paul hit the hit the key ones. Um, so I will say uh, nothing further. Okay, well then let's let's have we're, let's have fun. I'm not going to say yeah. how long we've been podcasting because whenever I say that, it suddenly crawl, slows to a crawl. Um, <laughs> that begins just, the 90 minute podcast. That right, whenever yeah, we say like, all right, yeah, we're doing well. We're doing so great. Um, so we're just going to finish with a uh, wacky schedule in this day in Bill's headlines. So. Um, Scott hasn't had much chance to talk. So Scott, if your if your wacky schedule is ready, let's do that first and then yeah. we'll finish with, with the headlines. Um and I'd like to thank Scott and Paul for for having anything uh <laughs> podcast, which is a, a far cry better than me, who uh really is leaning into just pushing the buttons this week. <laughs> uh, a critical job that makes this podcast actually happen. Right. So, He's the one Frank the technical mastermind behind this pod who posts it. Though you can find some lost episodes of Scott and I on YouTube if you search hard enough. Very good. Um, please don't do that. Um, don't. So <laughs> first week one, as previously stated, a, a home game. My my schedule says home game. Which yes, is wrong because we all know it's wrong. in Los Angeles because the Super Bowl champs always host it. You had your schedule backwards last year too. It was exactly yeah, true. I'm almost... Well, it's because he's in the UK. It's right. Just... That's right. Everything's you drive yeah. on the left side of the road. The schedule home and away is different. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, however, instead of being played at the SoFi Stadium, yep, in Los Angeles, 
correct? They are, in fact, um, playing what what might be called a, a you know the Super Bowl champions. Mm-hmm. The problem is is that they end up playing this particular game in a supersized bowl. Uh, a ah. bowl that is supersized, so it is generally flat around the fifty yard line, but kind of approach has a geometric progression as it escalates towards the sidelines and towards the end zones to the point of where the end zones at that point you're basically looking at a 60 degree angle upwards okay now, grass so you will still have traction but it will throw off the geometry of pretty much everything involved in the game so Gosh. okay that yeah. is your task think about it and, and thank you so much for giving us the degree angles because i'm like okay is this like my oatmeal bowl at home or my oatmeal bowl at the office and it is decisively like the oatmeal bowl at the office. So you're going to have kind of a gradual spreading. It is going to be pretty flat around midfield, which is going to make what's going to be very fun is the red zone becomes an adventure. The running game in the red zone is gone, I have to think. In fact, I think the worst yeah. thing you can do is get in the red zone. You want to try and score from the 50 wherever you can. Okay. Or, so, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Because you get inside that 20 yard line and all of a sudden you're playing offense uphill or up bowl. Uh, to, to be as literal as possible about it. So try and score from, you know, the center of the field as much. So then I guess my question becomes, which team has a better, a uh, higher powered offense? These are both good offenses. I think Josh's arm strength is going to come in handy here. I think his leg strength will be minimized, unfortunately, because he's, he is that red zone threat to run. Um, but I don't like him running up, up that hill. I like Kate Bush running up that hill, but I don't like Josh Allen running mm, up that hill. There it is. Stranger Things. Yep. Um, we could have a whole Kate Bush podcast sometime. That's just a suggestion because I've been waiting for the day when Kate Bush is popular again uh, for like at least <laughs> 20 years. But that'll be that'll be another pod. But yeah, so I'm going to say I think. It's, yeah, I've been I you have no idea how much I've just want to talk about Kate Bush with people. And now that 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 time has come. So, yeah, I'm going to say that the Bills have a higher powered offense. I'm going to say with the. Um, you're, you're playing on regular turf, you did specify, so that that helps right. us here. I think you have to be careful. The one thing I would worry about is if there is this super bowl, no pun intended, is uh, there's a super giant looking to eat something out of it, so you might be mm. crushed by giant Cheerios at any yep. moment, or uh, giant flakes of oatmeal, whatever this giant's preferences are. And But I will say, given the regular circumstances, I will say the Bills win this game. I think... Um, I think they're going to kick a lot of field goals. I think you're going to get to that 45 and be like, all right, Bass, try a 62 yarder. This is our best shot. <laughs> uh, you think so? That, oh, go ahead. I, I'm yeah, going to let you finish. Think go about ahead, it, because yeah. if you get close to the, if you're, then your long snapper is snapping it from like the 10 yard line. How are you going to snap that accurately to your kicker? And where's your kicker going to stand? Yeah. I, okay. I, I think like, you got to try yeah, you, field is you, relatively flat. Okay. You finish your, your prediction. Yeah. And then I, I think I'll speak to that. I was going to speak to that anyway, but go ahead. Okay, good. So I'm going to say six bass field goals, three missed bass field goals. Uh, Cause they're trying from way out. I'm going to say one touchdown the bills managed. So I'm going to say, and he's going to miss the extra point. So I'm going to say 24 to 19 in this game. Okay. Okay. Safeties will be Im- nearly impossible, by the way, in this game, because you're in the defense, you're going to be going uphill for a while there. Right. I think you just sort of concede. You concede, yeah, up to midfield. Like up to they, midfield, right. Right. And if they're just... at the five-yard line, if your cornerback's <laughs> lined up across from Stefan Diggs, your cornerback's on the 40-yard line. You are right. not, because otherwise Diggs <laughs> is going to smoke you, and you're going to be, you know. Well, 
the the propensity for injury in this game is mass. It's beyond. It's just yeah. beyond. <laughs> uh, I think next. I think week two will be a real mess after this. I I feel like the problem with field goals is you are not at the sixty degree. Ang- First of all, like the sixty degree angle. If if you're at a sixty degree angle and you have to get the ball up, you're you're almost basically kicking the ball straight up in the air. Um, to get it over the posts eventually, but, but to even bring that back, you know, to a lower angle, well, you've still got to get it up and at a different angle. I think kicking is going to be Hmm. nearly impossible. I think, I think it'll be really hard based on where the ball has to actually end up. Um, you know, heaven forbid you you fumble because there's the geometry feel free. I, I did pull up a 60 degree angle just to get a good sense of it. And, and that's a that, I mean, even at a 30 degree angle, I'd be I'd be a little worried here. I sort of take the opposite view from Paul in regards to the passing versus the running. I think this game is going to is going to be all about who has done the cardio and who has done their mountain climbers, because it's all about who's going to be able to trudge up. To, I've been watching a lot of Tour de France, too. Obviously, it was a great, great tour this year. Uh, Jonas Vingago, I mean, to take down Tajik Pogaccia is just is is brilliant. And to have him on your wheel the whole through the end in the Pyrenees. Anyway, I digress. But all of those yeah. guys are climbers. All of them like are climbers. Um, even Wout van Aert, who's basically a sprinter. But um, if you turn into this podcast for great uh, Kate Bush and Tour de France takes, you're listening to the right Bills podcast. You are. You are. Um but I think the play that's going to neutralize, and I think this is why the Bills are going to win, draw play. The draw uh-huh. play is going to be unbeatable in the red zone. Why? Because it's going to look like a pass. Everyone's going to over-pursue, and then boom, there goes the running back. And you are now downhill from a guy who's got a head start on you. I think the draw play, I think the screen pass, I think that's what you're going to have to do to win this game. It's going to be half about misdirection because what you're going to want to do is the defense. You're going to want the defensive players behind you because when that happens, not only it's it's usually it's usually trouble anyway, but now it's going to be extra trouble. Um, And I think in the red zone, you have an opportunity to get low and the guy will go over you and you can use that momentum to lift him and literally throw him downhill, you know, so. I don't know. I think the running back, I think the running game is going to have to feature. And I think that's where you get a guy like Josh Allen. I think it's going to come in handier than you think, Paul. So I, I'm going to say no kicks are done. I'm going to say the Bills win this one uh, 18 to 6. I think that's what's going to happen. Um, I, I think the two-point conversion is too hard because everybody's right on that line and there just isn't enough room. But I, I can see sort of a couple of really big trudges uh, at the end there to get up the hill. So I'm going to say 18 to 6 Bills. All right, Scott's going to tell us the correct answer now. Yes, please. Could you just real quick? Could you could you just make sure that you get the the take of of Frank saying the running game is going to have to feature? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I yeah. look. They have changed the rules to make the passing game more important. It has to feature unless you're playing in a bowl with sixty degree angles at the end. <laughs> in which case, I think that probably <laughs> you might be the guy who can go uphill. Okay. Uh, the correct answer is the Bills. Uh, correct in a low-scoring game. I think Tyler Bass can figure it out. I think he's going to have a couple uh, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan-esque kind of, you know, off the backboard, off okay. the second back, turned around, you know, nothing but between the uprights. Uh, so I think he's able to get one or two field goals in. 
And yes, your your final score is 21, but with like 18, you know, three touchdowns and a field goal. And then, uh, yes, I, don't, I think the Rams are overrated anyway. So regardless of in a bowl, they still end up with like six points. So that is your, that's your first game. Uh, second game of Wacky Schedule. Um, we used to enter Wacky Schedule, but I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, second game. Uh, is at the Titans. This one is always an incredibly tough one for me because we right. played them. When Scott says at the Titans, remember this one game is in Buffalo. That's home, <laughs> home in Buffalo. <laughs> I don't know if I did that intentionally at this point. It's entirely possible. I was trying to write <laughs> a couple months ago when I started writing these. Um, so always a tough one for me. Um, but this game, um, we're going to go back to old school summer camp. Let's all get together. It's the Bills versus the Titans. We got a big, long effing rope, and we got 53 guys on one side and 53 guys on the other side. Ooh. It's a tug of Go. All right. Uh, I, guess I have to start this one because yeah. Paul started the last one, and it's not fair for him to have to do that. So I wish I could quickly look up the weight of all of the players, but I can't. Um you're just going to have to do it on who wants it more, Frank. Yeah, well, it? I mean, it's hard. Right. Frank is quickly trying to look up 106 combine, combine scores on strength exercises. Right. Well, That's it is it. about who wants it more unless you've seen Squid Game. And then, you know, like there's a couple tricks right. to the trade, you know. But I I, I'm, I know that Stefan Diggs has seen Squid Game, so he'll be quick to every other man on the rope and all that. Um, yeah. And it's certainly impossible to think that anybody would want anything more than Josh Allen wants things. Like he just seems like the kind of guy who would instantly want it more than anybody i think we that's a good sorry go ahead that might win it right there josh allen versus ryan Tannehill. like you go position by position like allen i mean Tannehill is a big guy as an old college wide receiver but allen has by at least 40 or 50 pounds he does and he and he is of course just like a labradoodle of a human being who just i don't know like will just be focused on whatever it he's like he will get a hold of the rope and not let go. My my concern obviously is Derek Derek Henry, who we've seen what he can do uh with his strength. He's obviously incredibly strong. Um so there. you know, that I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this, but I, I think I think the Titans win. I think the Titans win this tug of war. Um because I think that I think, first of all, they are Titans, so obviously much larger creatures than Buffalo. Buffalo, very good at pushing things and running into things. Titans, better hands, thumbs can pull. And I don't know. It's just it's the Titans game. So I feel like something weird <laughs> happened that. So I'm going to say I'm going to I'm going to rest it on something weird's going to happen. Derek Henry is strong and the anthropomorphic Titan is a better tug of war persona than the Buffalo. So I will say the Titans win after, uh, after, after 10 minutes, I'll say it's a long struggle and it's a, it's a narrow, it'll be one of those deals where the flag just goes over the line and then we're not sure. And we'll want to complain about it, about whether they, it really went over like the, the foul, the, the completion line or not. Um, but, uh, I'm going to say Titans steal this one. Yeah. Frank hit a lot of the high points on this one. I think the, the Titans game, it's always that game. You know, the Bills yeah. barely beat them in 2019. The Titans won in 2020. They, they, there was a close game. The Titans won last year on Monday night. So that's, it's just going to be one of those. 
I think, yeah, when you look at Josh Allen versus Tannehill, of course, we're one-on-one. That's easy. But the Titans have that. To me, they have the ultimate asshole. And you need assholes to win in tug-of-war. Taylor Lewin lives for tug-of-war. Look at the man. He's 6'7". He's 309. He wears bucket hats on the sideline. Uh, and not for the reasons that Sean McDermott was uh, does because of the, the skin cancer issues. He does it just because he's he's a dick. Uh, he's also <laughs> that dick who's going to want to play tug of war when I, like he plays tug of war probably recreationally. I think he'll be the leader for the Titans on this. I think you know just the gen and Frank points out the Titans versus a Buffalo a Titans going to be better at tug of war anyway. And I think even though that's more philosophical, I think it holds here true. So it holds true here. So you know. Frank and I both picked the Bills in game one. I'm going to pick the Titans as well in game two uh, to agree with Frank again. It's a real shame because if this was any sort of football game, I was I was ready to take the Bills. Yeah. But I think, yeah. Little did you know that when you walked into Wacky Schedule, you'd be walking into Tug of War. Much like right. the contestants on Squid Game. Little did you know. Little did I know. Um, but yes, you are correct. The Titans win this one due to the, the previous dimension. Also, in terms of jerks, uh, Jeffrey Simmons. Big oh, he had a huge too. game against the Bills last year, uh, stopping Allen on the one yard line. Yep. You could see him maybe with a bit of controversy. Maybe he maybe he kicks up a little dust. Maybe you put him in front if you're the Titans, and he kicks up a little dust into the lead guy for the Bills. He gets in the eyes, throws him off the game. It's really unfortunate. Titans. I don't want to say they're dirty, but well, yeah. I mean, Mike Vrabel, right? Like, yeah, he they, seems like he would he would put some pig fat on the on the on the rope on the Bills side. Oh yeah, he is the, he is the Eddie Guerrero of the NFL coaching, uh, you know, tree. <laughs> uh, moving on to, I have here is a home game versus the Dolphins. As usual, I am correct. Um, and then the I have it here in my notes: quarterbacks must switch with wide receivers. So I guess hmm. that's a big wide receiver acquisition for the uh, Dolphins in the offseason. Tyreek Hill yep. moves to quarterback to replace Tua Tagovailoa, which, let's be perfectly honest, is potentially a huge advantage for the Dolphins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Stefan Diggs uh, replaces Josh Allen at quarterback. Josh Allen, a different threat in the passing game, perhaps, than Stefan Diggs, but someone who has uh, caught touchdowns for the Bills in the past. Uh, I'm not sure if Tagovailoa has ever actually uh, caught. If I did any research for this podcast, that's something that I'd be able to figure out. But I'll, I'll check into that while you two. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm pulling that up now. Oh, right. It's, it's, is Frank does that. Uh, we will note, of course, that Scott says this is a home game, and as the schedule proves, when I look at it, it is in fact an away game. Uh, so <laughs> they, Tagovailoa has not been thrown zero. to ever in his NFL career. Um. I think there's no doubt that Josh is a better receiver, but then it becomes, well, you the Bills lose the weapon of Josh Allen at quarterback. The Dolphins lose the weapon of Tua Tagovailoa at quarterback. That is a substantially bigger loss for the Bills. You gain, yeah, it, I'd rather have Josh with his all of his athleticism at wide receiver than Miami uh, having uh, Tagovailoa at wide receiver. But is that going to be enough of a difference to offset what's now essentially a kind of evening of the offenses so now it becomes a matter of okay who do i trust to not get do i trust Diggs not to get sacked how's the pass rush going to go i think this is i don't want to play this card this early in wacky schedule 
but is this the game that then just kind of becomes a football game at that point? Um, you know, I, we try and say, I, we all try and sit, limit that to like one game a year. But I think, mm-hmm. okay, you have two players switch positions. It's kind of like, what if Allen and Barkley and Keenum are all injured and they have to go to an emergency QB and the same thing happens to the Dolphins, but all of a sudden they get, you know, a weird guy at wide receiver who doesn't really play that position much. I think the Bills are just stronger all around, so I think this becomes a football game. I think it's going to be a defensive battle. I think the run game is going to make this. It's going to be like watching Army-Navy, basically, is what this game will will turn into at some point. I'm going to say this is a classic Todd Collins uh, versus uh, whoever was backing up Marino in the 90s was after Scott Mitchell. I'm going to say this is a 9-6 to six Bills win, uh, and it's going to be ugly. Hmm. I think that there, yeah, it's kind of a wildcat game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, because I think you've got like, okay, Diggs and Hill, well, they can run. I mean, certainly mm-hmm. like, I didn't believe like entire things have been, you know, schemed around Hill on reverses and they'll like, I think one of the other things you could do, which would be a little tricky and, and, and maybe a little disingenuous with regards to the rules, but you know, you can do end arounds with Josh Allen that ultimately have him passing mm-hmm. the ball. Right. Like you can, yeah. you can, you oh. can have him like kind of close, closer, like the slot receiver. And then on every couple of plays, you know, you, you run, you do that thing where you run very similar looking things constantly. And then on some of them, he's running, some of them, you're not handing off some of them. Allen gets the ball and he throws it. Some of them dig throws it. Um, and, and the, the like with the, the, the bills, I think I don't, I'm not going to say it becomes just a football game. I think that, um, I agree that the Bills are hurt more than the Dolphins are hurt by removing Allen at quarterback versus Tagovailoa at quarterback. I think the Bills get the better wide receiver out of Allen than Tagovailoa, but I think the important part is the Bills are just overall better than the Dolphins. I think the Bills' defense is going to be able to better compensate here because they won't, you know, they won't have to deal with. I think just better talent. I think Allen, you Allen will find ways to be contri- to contribute. I believe in that. So I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna say I'm gonna think the I think the Bills score a touchdown. I think it's like a 14 to six game. Yeah, I, I'm gonna say 14 to six Bills. Okay, and Frank Frank is correct in that the Bills do win this game. Uh, it is a bit it's a bit more higher scoring because I think you're gonna see a lot more turnovers in this game as well. Yeah, of kind of. You know, uh, Diggs and Hill probably not really equipped for the amount of offense they're being asked to run. Uh, so that ends up leading to a lot of kind of hilarious plays, which I think would be a lot of fun. I think we should run this game. I think it'd probably be more entertaining than the Bills slaughtering the Dolphins by 50 this year. Or maybe it wouldn't be. But, uh, you know, it'd still be a different kind of fun, I guess, to see that. <laughs> Frank, a brilliant kind of offensive fun. coordinator there, by the way. I had not even thought about the reverse wide receiver pass as, as an option in this game. But... You would do that quite a bit until they caught on to it. Well, I think it would be hard to do it a lot, but you could do it. Yeah. You you would need to run it, as Frank suggests, as kind of like an army. It would be an it would almost be like an army wishbone kind of offense where kind of at every snap, Josh Allen starts running backwards towards thing, and then sometimes you give it to him on a on a on a dive, sometimes you give it to him on a sweep, sometimes he's throwing, sometimes Hill is keeping, sometimes Diggs is keeping. Um, and both, you're going the whole other way and he's just running backwards to confuse you. Like, yeah, you know. exactly. Yeah. It's just a sprint to the right or a sprint to the opposite way, whatever. Yeah, exactly. So there's a, there's some interesting, it would be a fun day. 
Yeah. Um, we universally agree after all three games, by the way, with our picks. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Our um, wacky picks. Yes. Game four has unfortunately not, not occurred. The game has not occurred due to a series of murders. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, Please Josh, bring Edgar Allan Poe's grave into this. Please bring Edgar Allan Poe's grave into this. Sorry. Josh Allen has, has, uh, has uh, instead of playing the Ravens, just to be clear, uh, Josh Allen uh, must solve this mystery in order to uh, uh, to to win the game for the Bills. The, the NFL will give the Bills the win if he can solve the mystery. Um, so uh, the a a mother has been found dead in her home mm-hmm. and uh, was found in the RV house, multiple broken bones. Her throat so deeply cut that the head fell off when the body was removed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the mother's daughter found strangled to death and stuffed upside down into a chimney. The murders occurred in a fourth floor room uh, that was locked from the inside. Mm. The mother was then thrown out the window. Uh, and there was uh, some gray hair on the floor. There were some gold coins on the floor. There were some voices heard. Not really clear what was exactly said. Um, there's a number of suspects. There's a bank teller. There's an estranged husband. There's a uh, a vagrant who is seen in the area. Uh, so Josh Allen must figure out who is the who is the 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 murderer and can he do it uh, before you know in an hour, whatever. And he has access to the the crime scene and the and the prisoners. Uh, or the the suspects. All right, uh, Frank, go. Um, trying to decide if this is a version of the Secret of Chimneys by Agatha Christie or not, but I don't think so. Yeah, I, I want my first question to Scott was going to be: Is this from a movie that we should know some of this, or is this all just you watching too many, you know, it babysitter almost, killer queen it, type of movies? It almost certainly. I'm pretty sure it was a movie. Okay. Um, I'm double checking. Uh, yes, many times. I'm told. According okay. to. Okay. Well, all right. Um, this certainly has a classic mystery feel to it. So I, I, you know, I, I want to gravitate to Sir Arthur Conan Doyle or Agatha Christie, but it's not for me to figure out who wrote the original story or for me to solve it. It is whether Josh Allen can solve it. Um, and I got good news for you. He's a smart guy. Uh, he's a Settlers of Catan player. He is a uh, he watches. Some, yes, yes. He said it this week not, in the camp. That. OK, he, he, so you're already paying more attention. <laughs> well, literally, it came across my Twitter on the clip. So I was just like, oh, OK. And then Settlers of Catan had retweeted it because they were very happy about it. Um, yeah. You know, plays video games too. watches a lot of Breaking Bad and sort of dark uh, level kind of history. So I believe that Josh Allen has it within him to solve an escape room level kind of crime scene. Um, I assume he gets the full three hours of a football game, at least to sort of solve sure. this mystery. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. uh, you know, is, and, and I would hope that his teammates, even if he ultimately has to solve it is allowed to, they're allowed to like, he can set, he can send digs to like, go look for clues over here or, Hey, uh, Hey, Vaughn, would you mind researching, you know, uh, gray hairs or the like? Um, 
try and intimidate this witness for me, Von Miller. Right, that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> trust the pro. You know, there's. I, I'd love for scenes of McDermott demanding his badge and stuff, and you know, <laughs> you know. That's exactly. McDermott is McDermott is definitely the police commissioner saying, "Alan, you're hanging on by a thread." <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I can't go to the DA with this. Are you kidding me? <laughs> should have armed himself. You shot an unarmed. You shot an unarmed man. Well, he should have armed himself. Um, not funny in this current climate, but in that movie, Dirty Harry, it was great. Okay. Um, so I believe he can solve the mystery. Uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and just presuppose that the answer involves that at least one of these quote-unquote murders wasn't a murder, but an accidental death. That usually is what happens, um, and that the other one is uh, is a a murder by uh, by the by by the uh, prime minister. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with the prime minister did it, and the other one is an unrelated uh, red herring uh, accidental death. And Josh Allen is savvy enough to sort that out. All right. Yeah. Again, Scott's going to have the correct answer on this. So everyone, yes. no matter what Frank and I's opinions are, he, you remember, his, his is the ultimate authority. So this is the direction I'm going to go with this because I think Scott might be having some source material to work with here. I'm going to throw out whatever source material is, and I'm going to bring in uh, one of the ultimate classics uh, as agreed upon by uh, Scott's friend Ellen uh, and myself that pretty much all of our Facebook communications have to do with this movie uh josh allen i'm sure is a big fan of one of the greatest movies ever made hello mary lou prom night 2 now for those of you unfamiliar with the story basically it involves a spirit of a wrongly killed 1957 prom queen uh coming back to life and inhabiting the body of a 1987 high school student and seeking revenge on those who uh, helped lead to her death. She was a horrible human being, and so therefore she is also a horrible villain. But in one scene in this movie, there is a girl who is inexplicably hanged uh, by a spirit uh, and almost beheaded in the process, and Scott had brought out the beheading. So there was no physical murder that took place. So you might be thinking, okay, well, where does this go? How does this end? I recommend you watch the movie. So just, you know, mute me for the next 40 seconds while I spoiler alert the end of this. Eventually, the person who accidentally killed her by setting off stink bombs uh, gives her a kiss and gives her her prom queen, her prom queen crown, which she really needed to wear to feel uh, whole. And then uh, unbeknownst to us till the last scene of the movie, himself allows this spirit to inhabit him in order to protect his son, uh, and the future of the prom queen that Mary Lou had originally inhabited here. So the good news is, because Josh is so focused on the game, Josh is going to take control of the spirit, and that will help them win the game. But now he's going to be inhabited by this evil spirit the rest of the season. That's going to be bad news for the Bills going forward. But I do think it does help them win this game. <clears throat> All right. All right. Um, so unfortunately, Josh Allen was not able to solve... Uh, what some might say is the first detective story ever told, told by thought you guys would have put the would have done the fairly elementary deduction of why I would bring be bringing up the uh, mystery murder story during Ravens Week. Who oh, Chris, oh, this is Ed Ground Poe story. And Good I even Lord. made a reference to I that earlier on Ed Ground Poe, and I still <laughs> fight. <it up. laughs> 
I'm I'm most mad at Paul. <laughs> um, it's if murders at the room org. The room org. Yep. It's murders at the room org, and uh, in one of the great twists in literary history. I don't think Josh Allen, unless he's read the book, and I'm not sure, given the clearly the audience he's he's playing to, he may not have gotten to it, uh, may not have been able to put two together that it was in fact an escaped orangutan from a local zoo that had uh, had broken out, uh, become trapped inside the house, and then in a fit of fury and fear, uh, killed the two, uh, the, killed the woman and her daughter, and uh, when confronted with his, uh, you know. When, when realized what happened, was, was so terrified that he attempted to stuff the, the daughter up the chimney in an attempt to hide the crime and throw the woman out the window to do the same and then bake it away with, with, little, uh, with, with little evidence. But uh, the detective was able to figure it out in the murders in the room morgue. Unfortunately, I don't see Josh Allen putting two and two together. And uh, does the, the bills go to I think two and two in our tale? Yeah. One and three? Two and two. Yeah, two and two. It's it's, it's a hard, wacky start to the wacky year. <laughs> Stop. Did not see the murders at the reward coming. Josh Allen, very disconsolate going into the. I, I'd like to say, though, Bill's two and oh in football contests. <laughs> Only two in non football contests. It's true. Um, unfortunately, uh, just a bit of a preview. Um, do you guys want <laughs> a preview of a theme at some point? Uh, let's just say, uh, I think week three of Wacky Schedule, whenever we get there, third quarter of the season, um, we're going to have a little trip down uh, memory lane to video game lands, where maybe oh, there'll yes. be some video game kind of uh, things the Bills will be asked to complete. So unfortunately, that does not bode well for their chances. We'll see. All right. Well, that was an awesome half hour doing Wacky Schedule. That was so great. And I'm glad that we're right back on track for an hour long podcast, <laughs> not longer, uh, as predicted when I said it. Um, so, Paul, he why don't we go time. ahead and get started on this day in Bill's headlines? All uh, right. We have 11 headlines and one Bill's tribute to a player who uh, passed away on this very day. Um, so here we go. We'll run through this. I'm briefly distracted by something work related, um, but I will plow through this, uh, ignoring my work because it is after 5:30 Eastern, so I'm allowed to do that. Um, so here we go. Here we go. Uh, all right, 2021. It's July 28th. Blank versus blank in three more important training camp battles. Every time training camp has come <laughs> around since blank was signed as an undrafted free agent in 2018, I, I'll stop saying blank here. I'm going to say player one and player two. Okay. Every, every time training camp has come around since player one was signed as an undrafted free agent in 2018, somebody else was supposed to be the Bills' number two cornerback, but by season's end every year, player number one managed to keep the job. This year, that task is arguably the toughest it's been since player number yeah. one arrived. Player number two shined as a rookie in limited opportunities, playing the fewest amount of snaps of any Bills defense player to court at least two takeaways last season. So Levi Wallace is one of them. Yep. And the... He would be a second year at this point? Yes, he would have been his sec going into his second year in 2021. Whoa, uh, not Trey White. Jackson. Dane Jackson. Dane Jackson, very good. The starting good. cornerback uh, the last half of last season after the New Orleans game. Right. Um, all right. Uh, question number two. Not question. Uh, number two, 2019. How does blank fit into the Bills' backfield? 
Through the first two days of training camp, Blank has been firmly the number four running back behind LaShawn McCoy, Frank Gore, and Devin Singletary. If that continues, he's in roster bubble territory. Okay. I think it's too early for McCoy and Devin Singletary. Right. And I think it's too early for Zach Moss. So I'm going to say, like, TJ Yeldon. TJ Yeldon. Good job. Yes. On fire today. Um, 2018. Which, by the way, he was fourth forever, and it didn't really matter. No, he it did. Still had a job and made money until until last year's or until the 2020 AFC Championship game, where he was suddenly number one. Right, just like that. Um, all right, 2018, Buffalo Bills defensive tackle blank trying to be like Kyle Williams in more ways than one. I want to sit with him for hours and go over the playbook if I could just as much as that as just as much as that he's a fantastic role model for what I want to be when I'm older. Blank told New York after Friday's practice on day two of Bill's training camp. That would there's, be. Yeah. There's some Bill, did I hear Scott say. All right. Yes. Former Buffalo Bill. Yep. Um, 2017. I have two headlines from this day. I could have made this whole thing. 2017 headlines. Holy hell. Um, this was just a crazy year of training camp. So 2017 headline number one, Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean provide update on Blank's visit with the Buffalo Bills. It was a good visit. We're going through that process. Those decisions normally take time on both ends. So we're going through the process and we'll just see how it plays out. Now, before I give any big hints on this one, just think of the context of the situation. So we're in 2017. This is McDermott in Anquan Bolden. Scott didn't even need me to. Wow. Bolden did visit and sign, of course, has had a legendary career with the Bills. So it was a momentous day. <laughs> um, 2015, yep, 2017, number two, how trading blank was a sign of Buffalo Bills confidence in Nathan Peterman. I think it's a win-win, and that's what you want in a trade being set at training camp Thursday. A, Anthony Lynn's out there. He knows blank. He has a familiarity. I think that started this. Blank's the fourth QB as we left on vacation. There's not enough reps really to give them all the reps they need. I think we would have been doing blank a disservice. So we found a win-win situation. He's a great young man and I wish him the best of luck out there. Did we trade to Rod? We did not. No. Well, we did, but not for this. We traded not for this. To Wait, so this is, this is. Oh no, Sammy Watkins. Nope. Nope. We're looking oh. at a guy. Who's, we are looking at a quarterback. Yep. We are looking at a quarterback. So, Starting QB someone. for the DC Defenders in their first XFL win. <laughs> I saw pictures from Commander's training camp, and there was apparently like six people there watching. Oh yeah. Um, I can't wait for them to open in Woodbridge and ruin traffic for everybody. Okay. Uh, so Nathan Peterman. So Nathan Peterman was still on the roster because this guy was no longer and this guy was no longer needed because right they felt like we've got peterman is a number i've had if we would have been a number two or a number three at this point it would have been a number two behind tarod yeah i don't think this this must have been before he actually played a game yeah he did he did play he played one he played one game for the bills yeah 2016 was his rookie year he played one game for the bills and they'll see the rex ryan finale and that was his only game in the nfl uh in early 20, this hint might help Scott. In early 2022, he agreed to help run an NIL fund, an name, image, likeness fund for Ohio State Buckeye students. And oh, he signed, uh, Ardell, Ardell Jones. Ardell Jones. Ardell Jones. Yeah. That's right. He did, he did briefly play for the Edmonton Elks this season, but was cut in in May. Um, all right, 2016. 
What role would blank play on the Bills? Obviously, McCoy's spot is safe, and it would appear Gillisley's is as well, knowing what he did in his limited time towards the end of last season. <laughs> Carlos Williams is facing a four-game suspension after showing up out of shape and overweight to minicamp. Some have speculated his roster status could be in jeopardy. Yeah, so what, what, was the, what was the clue for the player again? So it was just like, what role would blank play on the Bills? And then I proceeded to name a bunch of running backs. So you can now know that we're talking about a 2016 running back that is not LaShawn McCoy, Mike Gillisley, or Carlos Williams. Fred? No, no, I think Fred was Fred was gone, I think, in 2015. So this would be a year okay. later. Okay, yeah. That's... But you're, you're close. You're in the right time, time frame. And not a guy. He's a guy who played on the Bills, I think, just one season. Um... But Jonathan he's definitely Linton? a very known player. Oh, so not Jonathan Linton. Not Jonathan. <laughs> um, fast, ready, fast man. Most known for his college acumen. That might help Scott a little more again. Um, Did have some good seasons, I think, with Detroit and Miami as a pro before he finished off in Buffalo. Um, Shares no, the I same don't. last. Uh, this is this will yeah, this will help Frank get it. Might help Scott too. Shares the last name of one of the Bills' safety super conservative <laughs> wife. Wife of a super conservative. Oh, uh, okay. So we've got Jordan Poyer's wife is what? What's her name? With the yeah, yeah with the know. with the yeah yeah. Is it Reggie Bush? Reggie Bush, good job. Not, yeah, her her name is Kate. Not it's not <laughs> Kate Bush. It's Kate Bush is a whole other person. Oh. Yeah, right. We've had Rachel, but her name is Rachel Bush, and and Reggie yes. Bush would be the today's right. podcast. Kate, Rachel, and Reggie Bush. Um, uh, that might be that's as good as title as any. <laughs> All right, uh, twenty eleven. Bills reach four year, fifteen million deal dollar deal with wide receiver blank. Blank's versatility is a receiver, rusher, and ability to take snaps out of the quarterback spot in Wildcat formation. formations complements Bills coach Chan Gailey's wide-open offense philosophy. A four-year NFL player, Smith also... Oh, shit! Smith? Uh, Wait, fast, so it's Fast Freddy Smith again? Not no? Fast Freddy. No. So they signed a, a Wildcat guy. It says he has vast team's experience as a punter turning on coverage units. So name the first name of this Smith. Antoine. Oh, wow. Oh, I no. thought you guys would. Uh, no, no this is well, terrible. I'm sort of completely thrown by the fact that I have half his name. I think he threw um, three passes for the Bills out of the Wildcat, and I'm checking this right now. And I think everyone was intercepted, like every single pass. So he had actually had a quarterback rating of 0.0 .0 in his time with the Bills. But he did have some decent plays as a wide receiver. He did take one to the house as a kickoff returner, too. Um, so I'm looking at his. Is rushing receiving, kick returns, or is this passing? Oh, yeah, here we go. Buffalo. Uh, yeah, two attempts, two interceptions was his record. As a receiver, he had how many catches with Buffalo? Two seasons. Brad Smith? Brad Smith. There Brad? we go. Good job. We got Brad Smith. Oh, of the many hat, hats, jack of all trades, specials Brad Smith wears playing for the Buffalo Bills, none of them happened to be designed by Tommy Hilfiger. But that's about to change. The Bills receiver, part-time quarterback, and kickoff returner is preparing to expand his already versatile repertoire. Smith is going to try his hand at journalism and style, working as an intern for Men's Health Magazine to assist covering New York Fashion Week opening Thursday. That's from February 2013. 
right. Well, good for good for Brad. Hopefully that career took off for him. I do see there's a where is he now from 2019. So now I'm curious to check that out and see if his mm-hmm. fashion career progressed. Yeah. Uh, but we'll save that for after the pod. All right. 2006, Bills signed first round pick blank to five-year deal. The Bills' second of two first-round picks signed his contract at 1.30 this afternoon on the St. John Fisher campus. Bills general manager Marv Levy traded a second-round pick and a third-rounder to the Chicago Bears for the 26th overall pick in April's draft and took blank. What year was this again? 2006. This is after, this is after Willis McGahee. Was like yeah, uh, yeah, it would have been right after Willis McGee. I think this might Evans, have been McGee's last Evans, year was 06, Evans, but don't think Evans, about running backs. Was, yeah, Evans was 04 or 05, so yeah, it was, Evans after was 04. The... Evans and Lossman were 04, mm-hmm. and I don't think they they didn't have one in 05 because of the trade to move up to get for Lossman, Lossman right? Yeah, so they drafted um, Roscoe Parrish in the second round. Is this Dante Hitner? He was the first of the first round picks in 06. Okay. It is a guy who was certainly a a bust. Um, he is it like Macargo? Yes, Macargo. Okay, John I was wait, I could feel you wanting to say Frank knows about the time that what's his right. name said because he was traded to the Colts, and it's like, oh, thank God we're rid of him. And then the Colts the, the Colts rejected the trade the because he didn't him have back. the physical, and they sent him back. And that was the most awkward interview. But John McCarr goes back like, so the team traded you and here you are. Obviously, you're not wanted. Tell us about that. Uh, How do you feel? Uh, 2003, banged up Pats add Blank to the mix. Blank, 35, is a player who should fit in well with the New England offense, and he has already spoken with coordinator Charlie Weiss about his role. The 13-year hmm. veteran was released by the Buffalo Bills early in the offseason will be joining his fifth franchise. Blake was considered a locker room leader in Buffalo, where he played the past two seasons. But the Bills did not resign him, feeling his best days were behind him. Blake caught 43 passes for 388 yards last season, bringing his career totals to 808 catches and 6,691 yards. Before landing Buffalo, he played nine seasons with the Cardinals and two with Washington. Cardinals, Larry Washington Centers? Bills. Larry Centers. Wow. Boy, you guys are just killing it today. All right. Uh, 2002. Blank needs to bloom. Blank's weight, he's listed at 274 pounds, has only been part of the problem, and it hasn't helped that he has trouble maintaining bulk on his lanky six foot four frame. Blank is Eric also Flowers? Eric Flowers? Holy oh my heck. god! This is just all right. I'm not I'm, we're just gonna From keep going. The top rope. Yep. Uh this is the last well, we have one more tribute one after this, but this I, is the last I, I would why would say bloom? Why would they say right. bloom? Scott got the wordplay. That that helps. Flowers needs to bloom is the headline. Um, 1995, the headline for this article is Kelly to go all out at practice Monday. This is a camp summary article that leads with talking about Jim Kelly's recovery from major offseason knee surgery and now being ready to go be full go in practice. And then it talks about some other players. So here we go. Among the highlights of Thursday afternoons, Thursday's afternoon session. Remember, two a days, man. Uh, were quarterback Rick Strom drilling a perfect pass through three defenders to Andre Reid on a crossing route, and quarterback Todd Collins throwing a beautiful bomb to wide receiver Blank on a deep sideline pattern. So 95 wide receiver. Bucky Brooks. No. 
Buck. He's a good guess, but I think he, yeah, he was, yeah, that's right. He would have been on the team then before he moved to uh, cornerback and was shipped off to Kansas City. But yeah, Tasker's a good guess. He was also with the team in 95. This is, I'm going to see how many years this guy was with the Bills and his stats. This is a name, it is a name you know. Uh, he is not nearly as good a player, a uh, wide receiver as Steve Tasker was or Andre Reed or any of the others. Um, when he's Bucky Brooks, I mean, yeah, no, Bucky was, was that's the guy I can think of <laughs> on the right track. So he played four years with the Bills in 95. This was his big year. He started 15 of games that year, caught 42 passes for 646 yards. Um, he did snap. The Bills had a streak of over a decade without a punt return for a touchdown. And he ended that with a punt return for a touchdown uh, in 1993, a couple of years before. So he was with the Bills from 93 to 96 and then had one final season where he played a little bit with Green Bay and Philly, but didn't really do anything. Mm, I don't think I'm going to get Bush. Kate <laughs> Bush, yeah, right. Um, Not a Bush. I'm trying to think. Um, you might think he hosts a deaf comedy jam. Uh, Bill Bellamy? Bill, no, he's not a... Oh, it was Ralph Bellamy was on Deaf Comedy Champ. Yeah. Uh, no, Martin I was thinking... Lawrence. Now I want to know who you think hosts Deaf Comedy Champ. Hold on. Now I'm making sure I know who it is. Uh, okay, good. It was a television series with this gentleman's name, Deaf Comedy Jam, that aired in 1990... Aired from 92 for eight seasons. So, all right, good. I'm glad I at least knew the... I got the name right. Um, well, you better tell name, us. Okay. Um, someone who once famously insulted Rochester on WWE TV has the same last name as this Bills player. The same real last name as this Bills player. WWE TV. I mean, I, I remember when Edge and Christian. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Christian Cage. Okay. Well, yeah, it's not. It's. I think it was not. the other guy. Who Adam him. Copeland. Oh, yes. Russell Copeland. Russell Copeland. Russell Simmons, Def Comedy Russell Jam. Russell Simmons, Adam Copeland. All right. Adam, there we go. That was a, that was tailored for me. Got it. Yes. Okay. Um, and a little trivia fact, which I'll just uh, alert fans to now. Uh, I went to school with Edge's wife. She was a year younger than me. She was an accounting major. Uh, not I think the, she. I think she warrants being introduced as her own person, not Edge's wife. Yes. Um, I mean. Beth Phoenix is pretty fucking spectacular. So right. she is. She is a WWE Hall of Famer. When I went to school with her, uh, she was just known as uh, Liz Kochanski. So that was that was it. Liz um, Yep. But now she's Beth Phoenix, WWE Hall of Famer. All right. So we have one tribute left. This may be a name you do or do not know. Uh, we'll find out. But he's worth mentioning. He passed away on this day in 1986. He's a Bills fullback. And he passed away at a very young age of 37. He was drafted in the third round by the Bills in the 1971 NFL Draft out of West Virginia. He was needed not as a leading rusher, but the blocking weapon for star running back O.J. Simpson. Simpson. Um, his 1975 season was his best when he rushed for 823 yards and nine touchdowns, which was not, which was not something a fullback would ever do nowadays. Uh, he died today in 1986 due to lung cancer. Uh, he'd been undergoing some, some cancer treatment. Uh, he did have a nephew that played three seasons with the Saints as an offensive lineman from 2016 to 2018. And O.J. Simpson offered these goodbye words to him. I've lost a teammate. I've lost a dear friend. Bubby was my protector on my field, my companion off it. What he meant to my career is impossible to calculate, but I know many of the things I achieved wouldn't have been possible without him. Uh, I don't know who that is, but I, I'm, 
I would like to hear. Yeah. Scott? Yep. It's no. uh, Jim no. Braxton. Uh, Jim Braxton. Great okay. career with the Bills. Underrated because he's the guy doing the grunt work blocking for OJ. Right. Um, <laughs> tragically, I think he was a heavy smoker. Uh, and unfortunately, at age 37, very young to die of uh, lung cancer. But uh, great Bills career all around. Good guy. Well-liked teammate. So we pay tribute to Jim Braxton on this day, who passed away on July 28th. All right. Well, thank you that for that. Actually, thank both of you for those segments because that absolutely. I mean, they always make the podcast, but they they really made the podcast this week. <laughs> that was that was full on the bulk of it and uh, and a, a fun time. I really sort of went from I kind of don't want to do a podcast to thoroughly happy that we did one. So um, I bet some of our listeners will feel the same way when they hear this. Um, <laughs> MNY bills on. Yes, we do. <laughs> MNY Bills on Twitter, uh, bbillsmny at gmail.com. Not that anyone checks that, but basically go to Twitter and yell at Paul if you need something or yep. you want to hear something or you have a question or a thought. I'll be back on Twitter after my like month away from it. Too yeah, it. yeah. We, we got to get around to asking the pertinent question of whether Josh Allen is not only like the best quarterback now, but if he's the best quarterback in Bills history and other questions designed to just agitate you and get other people <laughs> angry at you um, on Twitter. Uh, that's what it's there for. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this. Until next time, uh, my name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. And good night, everyone.